Luke 8, 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other other seed fell on good soil. It came up, yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that all those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed And nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So we're walking through Luke's gospel this fall. We're finishing up a three-week section where we're looking at his teaching in the early half of the gospel. Last week, we looked at that most famous of parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Today, we look at another very famous parable, the parable of the sower. And I actually had Lisa read three passages here, um, three different images that at first glance don't appear to be related at all. I don't know if you are wondering, why is she still reading? Um, all right, you have these, first, you have an image of, of a seed planted in the ground. And then you get this image of a lamp on a stand that gives light. Uh, And then you get an image of family, who Jesus' true family is. And so these images don't seem to be related, but I think Luke has grouped them together because they're all getting at the same thing. They're getting at the issue of how we hear. 
how we take in Jesus' words. So in the first parable, look at uh, verse 9. It says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then in the second image, the image of light, verse 18, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. And then in the final image of family, verse 21, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So Jesus is calling us to consider carefully how we hear, how we listen to him and take in the message of the kingdom of God. And I was thinking this week in this, this theme of hearing and listening. You know, listening is such a key skill in life. So important in relationships, how we listen to one another. And there's, diff- there's all sorts of different kinds of listening that go on in relationships. And we all know what these are like. There's some people who uh, almost never listen. I was talking to one of you last week about, I think it was a family member. <laughs> what did I say? Oh, because I, oh, yeah, yeah. No, you weren't the one. Sorry. I was the one who wasn't listening, yeah. Uh, I feel like it's better to be funny when you're trying to be funny, but, you know, I'll take it either way. At least you're listening. Uh, I was talking to one of you who was talking about a family member who, if you were with that person, they, and having lunch, they'll talk for two hours straight. Uh, Literally, they will not stop to listen. They just simply don't listen. They just talk. So there's that kind of, we, we may never listen. Uh, there's um, distracted listening, right? So maybe you're with someone, but you're watching TV and they're having, you're having conversation. The person's kind of listening to you, but they're kind of watching the TV or they, they're, they're kind of going through their media feed as they're kind of listening to you. There's, they're, they're half there. There's a distracted kind of listening. There's elbows being hit right now. Um, <laughs> There's the listening that happens in debate when you're arguing with someone, and they're quiet, not because they're listening to you, but because they're formulating the response that they're going to give to you. I see, a, I see an attorney uh, nodding his head right here. Uh, then there's sort of a formulaic listening, like some people who are like, you're, you're hurting, and they're, like, they're saying the right things, but it's kind of like they've, they've been told the right thing to say, like, you know, how, do, how, did that must, how does that make you feel? Um, I imagine you're feeling bad and, and they're kind of saying the right thing, but you can tell you're just kind of, it's a formula that you're, you're plugging in. Right. And then, then there's, of course, there's, there's real listening. There's, there's a deep listening. What, what I like to call relational hospitality, where you can tell this person is, they're making room for you. Whatever you're talking about, there's room in their heart and mind in that moment. They've made room like someone would make room for a guest. They're taking you in. They're listening. They're present. They're empathetic. There's real, there's deep listening going on. There's all these kinds of listenings happening every day of our lives and relationships. And Jesus' point here is, is that we can do the very same thing with God's word. We can do the very same thing about the message of the gospel. And Jesus says in this chapter, how we listen to God's word has massive consequences in our lives. The parable of the sower how we listen determines whether or not we bear fruit, real spiritual fruit in our lives. The lamp and the stand, how we listen determines whether we receive more real information that we can continue to process or whether even what we think we were kind of listening to is taken away from us. And then the final one of the family, how we listen determines whether or not we are actually part of Jesus' family. So today we're considering how we listen. 
to God's word. And it's a great opportunity for every one of us to step back and ask the question, like, what's, what's my posture towards this? How do I listen to this? Not what was it 20 years ago, 10 years ago, but now in this season of my life, what is my relationship to the message contained here? Now, I'm going to focus primarily on the first uh, image, the parable of the sower today, and walk through that. And then I will touch on those other two images that Jesus gives us. But let's walk through this very familiar story about a farmer planting seed. So you get this image, the core image of the passage in verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed. So we're given an image. It's an image of a seed. I realize that farmers don't sow seed one seed at a time. Okay, I get that. He's scattering seed. But we've got this seed. And uh, in verse 11, Jesus tells us that the seed represents the word of God. All right? That's what the seed represents, the word of God. Or if you look at verse 1, look up, up at verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming, what's he proclaiming? The good news of the kingdom of God. So that, I think, is what this seed represents. The word of God, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. So this seed represents this message. The kingdom of God has come. Because Jesus, the king, has come. And all people are being given, given an opportunity to align their lives with this new kingdom. And there's such good news. There's such benefits to this kingdom. There's a forgiveness of your sins. Everything you've ever done wrong or ever will do wrong is washed clean through the death of Jesus. And God's spirit is present to fill you and to be your guide and helper. There's comfort. There's encouragement. There is eternal life waiting for you. There's so much good news to this kingdom, but there's also a call to this kingdom. The call is you need to realign your life with this kingdom. Whatever other kingdoms you've been pursuing, which is most likely your own kingdom, you need to surrender that kingdom and enter into this kingdom that God is offering to you. It requires repentance and change and realignment. So that's, that's the seed. It's this, this kingdom that has come, all the goods associated with it, but also what it requires to be a part of it. And, you know, I've heard this parable since I was a little kid. Um, But I was so struck this week in reading it again, just by the fact that Jesus chose a seed as the image of his kingdom. And I was thinking, he could have used so many other images, but he chose a seed. And I was thinking about the kind of power um, that a seed has. And on one hand, I was thinking, a seed has hardly any power. <laughs> Seeds are so small. They're so insignificant. They're, the word I've been thinking of this week, they're utterly underwhelming, right? They're very underwhelming. I mean, um, you can miss them. You can, you can trample them. They're vulnerable. You can completely ignore them. You can forget they're there. So in one sense, they're so small and insignificant and underwhelming. And yet, that seed has such great potential packed into it. There's a power to transform in amazing ways over time. And over the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to plant seeds in our backyard with our three girls. We've planted corn seeds and we planted those mammoth um, sunflower seeds. And so it's so fun to plant these little seeds with, with our girls and then watch three, four months go. And then these little seeds become taller than daddy, you know, and these big, bright sunflowers bloom. It's, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing power. But it's the kind of power that a seed has. That's God's kingdom. 
Other kingdoms have a very different power. They come with a lot of, you know, force. They usually come by military might or some charismatic leader. There's, there's glitz. There's, there's all the bells and whistles to it. But that's not how God's kingdom works. The way God's kingdom comes is it's a message of truth that has to be planted in a person's heart. That's the kind of kingdom it is. And so the question is, if that's the kind of kingdom it is, um, what response is, is needed? Well, it's this kind of listening, right? It's a, it's a certain kind of taking in over time of this kingdom. Uh, Tim, Tim Keller has a great analogy here. He says, you know, God's kingdom is compared to a seed, not a boulder. And thinks about, you imagine the way that a boulder can come rushing through and transform the landscape, right? It, it makes an immediate impact. It's significant. It's big. You notice it. And it can move earth a lot. A seed works very differently. Let me quote from him. He says, when the boulder comes to hit the ground, it smashes the ground, but the seed comes in very quietly. The boulder transforms the ground, but it revolutionizes it externally. The seed revolutionizes it internally. The boulder comes in and does it, su- it does it suddenly and co- coercively. The seed comes and does it organically, gradually, and gently. And so what is required to receive God's kingdom is a certain kind of listening, a hospitality, a making room for this message so that it does its work over time. This is how James 1 puts it. Therefore, humbly accept the word that was planted in you, which has the power to save you. So that's the image of God's kingdom. This seed, this farmer, he's out throwing his seed. He's pretty liberal with his seeds. I don't know if you noticed that in the parable, but it goes on all sorts of kind of ground. The message goes out to just about anybody. Anybody has the opportunity to receive the message. And Jesus mentions these four soils that the seed falls on, right? Three of them do not produce fruit. One of them does. The first three, of course, are warnings to us. And the, the, the fourth is an encouragement to us. And so we're being encouraged to consider today, where do, what kind of soil am I right now? Where do I find myself? And if you find yourself in one of the three, first three soils, the good news is you can change. <laughs> that's why Jesus is saying this. Not because, ah, oh, you're all stuck in the soil you're in and that's what it is. No. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Be the fourth soil. All right, so let's consider these soils. Consider your own life today. And I'll walk through these fairly quickly. Um, first soil is the seed that falls on a path, right? Look at verse 12. This is Jesus' interpretation of the first soil. Uh, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Um, there's my first seed. I would call this those who hear with a hard heart. They hear the message. And they're simply not open to it. There's just no reception for whatever reason. Um, they might be offended by the, the message of God's kingdom. They may be confused by it. Uh, they might think it's naive or illogical. Every culture has its own kind of beef to pick with, with uh, the gospel. And in, in the first century, it's different than today. But for whatever reason, the seed really has no chance to actually penetrate into their hearts and lives. It doesn't get a foot in the door. And of course, Jesus is saying it's not just a hard heart, but there's a spiritual enemy at work, right? Just as the birds come and pick up the seed from the path, um, Satan comes and snatches this seed away before it even gets a chance to penetrate. So the reminder is there is a spiritual enemy at work in the world, 
And his kingdom is contrary to God's kingdom. He has purposes that are contrary to God, and he's at work. But this will always be the case when the message of the gospel goes out. There will be some people who will just be like, I'm just, there's no interest for whatever reason. That's the first soil. The second soil we see in verse 13. Take a look at verse 13. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. All right, here's my picture of the rocky soil. Uh, these are those who hear with a shallow heart, right? They hear, there's a, there's a hearing of a sort, but it's a very shallow hearing. And so Jesus says, in the time of testing, right? Now, whatever that testing might be, they might experience persecution for following Jesus, um, or they might just, life might just get hard. They might go through a time of suffering, time of trials and challenges, or a dry season in their life. We don't know what it is. Um, but basically, things get challenging. Basically, they, they look at their lives and they realize, God is not making my life easier anymore. <laughs> Following Jesus is making life harder, or at least not better. Um, he's not removing some of the pain that I'm experiencing. And when they go through that season, they fall away from the faith. And I think the issue for them is how were they listening in the first place? How were they listening? I think they were listening with a shallow heart. They were listening with this question forefront on their minds. What do I get out of this? Right? What, what am I, what am I going to get out of this? How is, how is God going to make my life easier and better? What's, what's the nugget I can take from this thing and make my life more comfortable, or more happy, or more, more fulfilled today. That's how they always approach it. What's in it for me, and how can I get out of this? And so all they've got from that is there's a God up there who created me, and he's supposed to bless me, right? He's here to make my life happier than life would be without him. And they're not engaged in a deeper kind of listening, which is not just what's, what's in it for me today, but is what is being asked of me, <laughs> By this kingdom? What am I being called to embrace? What am I being called to change in my life? Maybe this God and his kingdom is not just about blessing me, but this God and his kingdom is about changing me and transforming me and turning me into a different kind of person. I would imagine we all have, if, if you grew up in the church like I did, we, we all have people in our lives who we would identify by this second soil. These are people who at some point, maybe, uh, you know, on a youth group trip or something like that, you had the campfire and the, the, the call was made and they came up and they professed faith and there was an initial joy. And then six months later or five years later, they had walked away from it. And this is always a danger. There's a shallow listening that enjoys, here's the, 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 the benefits and doesn't look at the deeper perspective and costs of the gospel. That's the second soil. Are you listening? Good, okay. This is the day you want to listen. You know, that's kind of would be ironic if you weren't listening today. (laughs) Third soil. This is the seed sown among the weeds. I'm going to slow down for this one a little bit. Look at verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries Riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. So here's my picture of the third soil. Uh, these are those who hear with a crowded heart, 
would say. Uh, they hear, they believe, they affirm the good news. There, there's, there's a plant that is growing, uh, but it never has a chance to mature because it is crowded out by so many other things. The, the word, the literal word is the word choked. That's the Greek word means the gospel is choked out. It never has room to breathe in the person's life. It really, there's not room made for it to, to grow and do the work that it wants to do. It's being choked by, this is a phrase that I think um, deserves reflection for us, by three things. Life's worries, riches, and pleasures. That's what chokes the word. So let's just think about that. I mean, you can think of your own life. What are life's, the worries of, of daily life that choke out the gospel? What do people think about me, right? How am I going to be perceived at this party? How's this presentation going to go at work tomorrow? Are the Lakers going to make it to the playoffs this year? They've invested a lot of money. Are they going to make it this year? Right? Are my kids going to get the grades I want them to get so they can get to the school that I want them to get so they can get to the job that I hope they can get? Like the worries of life chokes out the gospel. The riches uh, of life is the second thing. Right? I want to be rich. I work hard because I really want to be wealthy. There's a standard of living that I desperately want for myself. There's a neighborhood that I want to live in. There's a car that I want. There's certain clothes that I want. There's a portfolio that I'd love to say I have. Right? All of these, these pursuits of wealth and riches, worldly wealth and riches. And then the third one is uh, life's pleasures, whatever those might be. Right? I'm just thinking about that vacation I desperately want, and I'm just focused on it all the time. There's that glass of wine that I want to have every night. There's that membership at that club that I would love to be a part of. Right? There's that position at the job. There's that show I want to binge watch all weekend. Right? You name it. The pleasures of life. Okay? None of these things are bad in and of themselves, or at least most of them aren't bad in themselves. The issue is this. They believe the gospel. But in their daily lives, when it comes to pursuing satisfaction in life, when it comes to pursuing security in life or significance, meaningfulness in life, they go to the world. They believe the gospel, but in daily life, they go to the things of the world to find their significance and their satisfaction and their security. To go back to our hearing analogy, there's all these worldly voices that are speaking to them all the time, and they listen to them all the time. And so the, the, the gospel is, is one voice in there, um, but it's just one voice among so many. It's not like the, the foundational song of their lives. It's a voice among so many other voices. And it affects their posture when they read the Bible. When they, when they come to the word or when they hear the word, they read it and they believe it. But the way I would say it is they read it and there are so many non-negotiables in their minds. And here's what I mean. They read, but there's things that simply cannot be touched. Like, I'll, I'll hear this, but you can't touch this, 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 this. I'm not going to de-weed these. These are here to stay. These are non-negotiable. So, word, um, I give you some room. Do what you can with the room that I've given you. Here's the non-negotiables. Don't touch these. But do your work. And the consequence of that is, of course, Jesus says, they don't mature. They don't bear deep and lasting fruit. They believe. 
They identify as Christians, but if they step back and look at their lives and they're honest, they would say, I don't see real change in my life. Like I don't see deep and real transformation over time. The older I get, I don't see the fruit of the spirit growing in increasing measures. I'm not becoming an increasingly loving person, joyful person, peaceful person, patient person, all of these things, right? I believe this stuff, but there's no real transformation. The gospel doesn't have room to grow. There's too many non-negotiables. And I was thinking about this third soil. I've, I've met a couple people who might fall into this third soil. Um, I imagine you have too. I imagine we all identify in certain ways with the third soil. And I think uh, if this really becomes our lives, two, two, things, two things will happen. Uh, one of two things will happen. One is, is probably most obviously, we'll end up living deeply uh, conflicted lives. We'll, we'll experience life as very conflicted. And uh, Tim Keller makes a really interesting point about this third soil. He says, the third soil is the most unenviable of all the four soils. Like the, the, the least attractive option. I mean, at least all the other three are happy in their own way, right? Like the first soil, you're doing your life, the gospel, that doesn't look interesting. I'm, I'm happy to go my way. The second soil, I receive, I receive it with joy. I'm happy when it gets hard. I leave that and find something else that makes me happy. The fourth soil, I'm experiencing fruitfulness. That's happy. It's only the third that is so deeply uh, conflicted. They experience themselves in conflict, wondering, am I the real thing? Like, is, is this faith authentic or not? And I think the sadness, and I, I relate to this myself, but I think the sadness is the third soil lives with this assumption that, that I can find happiness if I p- pursue all these things at once. Like, that's what freedom is, is being able to pursue all these things at once. That's what joy is. That's what, that's what the good life is. Jesus and all these things. That's, I mean, have your cake and eat it too. And the temptation is the weeds are, there's some attraction to the weeds. Like, I mean, there's some flowers there. They're not, right? They're not the most attractive flowers, but there's a certain beauty to the dandelion, right? And so we forget that like, yeah, there's a, there's a certain beauty, but those are such cheap substitutes for the real thing. I think throughout the gospel, Jesus is telling us deep and lasting, true fulfillment is not going to come from pursuing all these things at once. It's going to come when God's kingdom (laughs) becomes first and foremost, and we begin to weed out these other things so that he is first in our hearts and minds, and his his kingdom is invading our lives, and we're living full, wholehearted lives in that sense. That's where true, lasting, eternal fulfillment comes. Uh, But this third soil is constantly in conflict because they're pursuing two kingdoms at the same time. And Jesus says, you can't do that. You can't do it well. So that's that's the the one thing that happens is they become conflicted. The other thing that can happen is is they're not conflicted. And they think this is just the way it's supposed to be. And I think Jesus would say to that, well, they're just fooling themselves. Like that they're just deceiving themselves that they think that. Um, Look at that. The the second story about the lamp on the stand, I think, is there to say that to us. He talks about a lamp that's supposed to give light. You know, you don't put it under a bed. And look at verse 17. He says, there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. It's like, hey, some things are hidden right now. It's not always clear how people are listening to the word of God. But one, well, that's I'm listening to a sad child right now. Um, one day it'll all be made known. It'll all become clear. And whatever people thought about themselves, everything will be brought into the light. He says, 
Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they think they have, meaning they were deceived. They thought they had something, but they were deceiving themselves. And even what they thought they had will be taken away. The word of God is not a static thing. You either take it in and let it invade more and more of you, or you don't, and it becomes less and less and less a part of your life, right? Whoever has more will be given. Whoever does not have any what they think they have will be taken from them. All right, so those are the first three soils. And again, this can sound a little discouraging, but Jesus is saying this to say, this doesn't have to be your reality. You don't have to stay with that kind of posture of listening. And so he turns then to the fourth soil, the seed that is sown among the good soil. Look at verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Uh, These are those who listen with a faithful heart. Right? They listen with a faithful heart. And I would identify three qualities of faithful listening to God's word. First is the quality I mentioned at the beginning, the quality of, of hospitality. That when we take in God's word, either through reading it, through hearing it, however it is, there's a hospitality. That we, before we start, we, we make room in our hearts and minds. Right? We, we, we say, I'm giving you space. There aren't any non-negotiables. You're, you are free to move things for me. There's a humility to that. You're, you are welcome to disrupt my life. You're w- welcome to plant deep into the soil of my heart and mind and life. You might have to move some things to do that, but there's a receptivity, a, a hospitality. Uh, secondly, I think the main, actually, posture that Jesus talks about in this passage is, is there's, a, there's a persevering with God's word, right? He says, Those who hear the word and retain it, or you might have the the translation, hold fast, and by persevering, produce a crop. There's just a a sticking with it that Jesus is encouraging with God's word. Uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message translates this phrase. He says, those who seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. Jesus is encouraging a kind of listening that's just, hey, keep on keeping on. (laughs) Don't give up. Just keep leaning into the word. Keep coming to it. It may be confusing at times. That's okay. It might be offensive at times. That's okay. You know, day in, day out, you're going to have, it's going to be hit and miss with the word. Sometimes it'll be fruitful. Sometimes it won't. But a lifetime given to God's word. Just stick with it. Keep going until you begin to see that harvest produced. And that's what he says. That's why he speaks in parables. You know, the, the disciples ask him, why do you speak in parables? Like, why are you hiding things? Why don't you just say it more simply? And I think Jesus' response is there to say, because there's a certain kind of person I'm looking for. I don't want the person who can just take it simply. I want the person who's going to be confused, but they're willing to stick with it enough to lean in. What does that mean? What are you saying? What are the implications for my life? The person who's hard-hearted, it doesn't matter. If I, if I give it to them simple, that's not going to help them. The parables just make that clear. I'm looking for the kind of person who's willing to lean in when it gets hard. Willing just to stick with it. And so that's what he's encouraging with his word. And then finally, the third posture of the faithful heart is, I think, this uh, listening with a willingness to obey. <laughs> it's not just listening, but it's a listening with a willingness to obey. And that's where that third story comes in where Jesus' mother and brothers are asking for him, he says, 
You know, my true family is those who hear the word and do what? Put it into practice, right? All over the place, Jesus said, hearing the word doesn't mean anything. You can hear the word all you want. Hearing the word in and of itself does not do anything. It's hearing the word and putting it into practice. So the faithful soil doesn't just hear the word simply to think about it, to analyze it, to think about the ideas and concepts and enjoy that. It certainly doesn't hear the word just to be entertained by it. But that fourth soil hears the word always asking, what am I being called to do? What am I being asked to live in today? Not just think about, but to live in. So that's the posture. And of course, with this fourth soil, there comes a promise. And the promise is this. By persevering, they will produce a crop. I realize I've just mixed my seeds. That was not a corn seed. But um, they'll produce a crop. Not overnight, but over time. If they make room, if they persevere, if they seek to live it out, there will be a crop. There will be fruitfulness. There will be change and transformation. Over time, they'll look at their lives and they say, I'm really, I really am becoming a more loving person over time. And a more joy-filled person, a more gentle person, a more courageous person. The qualities of Jesus are starting to be planted deep into my life and they're starting to show. And there's a fruitfulness relationally. People see it. I'm a little taste of Jesus, a little imperfect you know, broken, but taste. There's a fruitfulness to my life. And for me this week, I, I mean, I, as I think about this, I'm so encouraged because there's so many of you in this room who I would say, this is you. Like, I see this. I see the way that you over years have taken in God's word and you're humble with it. And I see the qualities of Jesus in you. I see joy and I see service and I see patience and kindness and wisdom this is happening so much in our community. And so I, it's so fun to, to have that image. I see that all the time in this room and beyond these walls. So there's the story. You know it, most of you already. Uh, let me leave you with the command of Jesus in this passage, which is this. Consider carefully how you listen. And what I want to do is I want to end by just giving us all a little bit of space to do this. To consider, how am I listening? How am I taking in God's word at this time in my life? Don't rely on some past time of your life. But ask yourself now, in this season, what's my posture towards the word? I'll give you some options just to review. Um, Do you rarely listen to God's word? Is this 35 minutes the only time in your week where you are taking in God's word? Um, Do you have a shallow consumeristic listening. When you listen to this, are you always looking for what's the nugget for me today, now that I'm going to take? Are you willing to ask the harder questions of what's being asked of me? What's being required of me? What's the deeper perspective I'm supposed to take in life? Um, Do you have a very distracted and crowded listening? Are there just so many other voices that you're listening to that this is just, you can barely hear it. Um, Do you listen as an object of study? When you approach the word, are you just ready to think about the ideas and analyze and circle and study all the, all the stuff and all the connections? Or do you come to this like a soldier, like a servant who would say, I'm here ready to obey. I'm here to, to take this in and then live it out. 
Um, do you listen just as a to-do item? Some of you are great. Some of you read the Bible every morning and you've got your little thing, but it's just a to-do. I read, read through, boom, check, move on. Or do you, t- you stop, do you take it in? Finally, do you engage in faithful listening? This humble, I'm willing to be changed. I'm willing to be, have my mind changed, receptive, sticking with it, persevering, and practicing. You don't have to stay where you are if you're in one of the first three soils. That's the good news of this passage. So let's take a moment. Let's just pause. Why don't you, why don't you listen to the Lord right now? Why don't you have a conversation with him where we're going to sit for a second and just ask the question, where am I right now? And what would faithful listening to your word look like in this season of my life, Lord? Maybe there's some real specific tangibles that you think, I could do this. I could do this. This would be a, this would be a step in the right direction, right? So let me, let me kind of open our time of prayer, and then I'll just leave us to, to consider for a moment, and then we'll sing. Lord, today we're reminded that your kingdom is not a boulder. It is a seed. It can be so subtle, so underwhelming, especially in the midst of all the, the noise of the kingdoms that we're surrounded by every day. It's the kind of kingdom that needs us to, to, to sit with, to make room for, to be quiet before, to be humble before. And so we just present our hearts today. And maybe we identify with one of those soils. I'm sure we've all identified with parts of every one of those soils at various times in our lives. And we would ask that your spirit would move, that you would prepare the soil of our hearts in this new season of life. Lord, show us even right now what faithful listening, faithful engagement with your word would look like for us. What would you want us to engage in? What would be some habits? What would be some times? What would be some postures? Maybe even places where we sit with your word. Lord, we, we, uh, we just offer our hearts to you right now and pray that your spirit would move and speak and prompt so that we would have a posture that is life-giving and transforming. So we take this time just to sit with you in this question, Lord.